Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. The day after a Chicago Bears game, and as promised, we have the Greg Gabriel Talks Football Show. Greg, how are you? I'm always good. You are. You are always a positive influence uh, on people. I, I don't know how to be negative. <laughs> I, I, I'm, being, I'm being totally honest. I, I, I don't like negativity, and I, and I try to always take a positive look at things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you uh, you certainly do, at, at least on this show and in all of our encounters, you, you've always been Mr. Positivity. That's a great way to go through life. Oh, I told you what my, my uh, nickname was at, at Hallis Hall, which, you know, they gave me, and that was mm-hmm. Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's not because you were passing out drugs or anything. <laughs> no. Oh, hey, at, that, at that time of the world, drugs weren't weren't legal in the state of Illinois. So, <laughs> and they are now. I can I can vouch for that. <laughs> um, Greg, let's start with your overall impressions on the latest loss by the Chicago Bears, this time to the Minnesota Vikings, a team that coming into uh, the game that Matt Nagy had beaten five out of the last six times, uh, but were you know fairly uh, fairly handled by the Vikings, although the, the score was closer than the game appeared. Well, I, that part I disagree with you. Okay. That was a game that, they should have won. They could have won. And the Vikings did not beat the Bears. The Bears beat the Bears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By their own mistakes, ineptness, or or whatever. The defense, I thought, was overall for a game, especially going into that game, and you find out the entire secondary is out, you know, with COVID-related illnesses mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, I, I thought the Vikings would pass for 350 yards, if not more. Mm-hmm. You know what their total passing offense was? 62 yards. Mm. It's amazing. But when you when you you know throw when you figure in the sacks, which takes away from the from the net yardage or the gross yardage and net yardage of a, of the passing game, uh, it was the lowest number of passing yards that their quarterback has uh, ever thrown in his career, you know, as a starter, uh, they had less than two, less than 200 yards total offense. So from that standpoint, you know, the first touchdown 
that was a blown coverage. And you'd have to have a coach tell me which one of the DBs blew the coverage. I, when you're looking at it, it looks like it might be Vildor, but I, I have a feeling it wasn't Vildor. It was the other guy. And I can't remember who the hell the other guy was. Um, Ooh, but oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go, you go ahead. I was going to uh, uh, speculate. I think it was Dion Bush playing the safety position, but uh, I don't know. You had, you had two receivers. You had three defensive backs on that one side. Yeah. Everybody went with the with Jefferson going inside, mm-hmm. and then they were late. The slot receiver does like a flag or a corner route, and he's wide open for the touchdown. Next was it was Jefferson was wide open for the touchdown. I think I think that that was um, you know totally blown coverage. Uh, throw out that play, and the defense as a whole easily played well enough to win. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the offense six trips inside the red zone mm-hmm. and counting the last play of the game. And they get one score, which was the last play of the game. And so now that play there was Bush getting beat. And, you know, Bush is a safety. He's not a man-to-man cover guy. You know, if, if, if you got the people that are supposed to be in there in that coverage, you know, maybe they still get the touchdown, but he's not wide open by, you know, four yards like he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the offense – they shot themselves in the foot a number of times every time they got in the red zone, but you come away with just a touchdown on the last play of the game after Mm -hmm. six trips inside the red zone. I mean, Mm -hmm. this could have been a game where the bears won by 17 points. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's no way I'm going to say that Minnesota beat the bears, the bears beat the bears. Yeah. For whatever reason. Now, did officiating play into it? Yeah, it's an excuse. But you're damn right it did. That was might might have been – we've seen some bad officiating this year. Yeah. That might have been the worst officiating game, starting with the opening Bears play mm-hmm. and the holding, holding call on Tevin Jenkins where uh, Montgomery runs for like nine and a half yards on that first play. Mm-hmm. He yep. did not hold on that play. Staying on that, go ahead, please. No, I I tweeted out right after. I go, that's not a hold. Mm -hmm. I know what a hold looks like, and that's not a hold. You can see that same thing a thousand times, and they won't call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it was a mystery hold because I went back and saw it, and I just didn't uh, see. Sometimes I think officials anticipate that something is going to happen and throw the flag even though it didn't happen. Maybe maybe I'm totally wrong because it is kind of human nature sometimes to do that, it, which is another reason, Greg, why I keep calling for a, a full-time official so that they can practice this stuff over and over during the week, muscle memory, and, and just stay totally focused on their number one job being an NFL official. But you don't agree with that. Well, I, I don't know how – I mean, what do they do all year? I mean that, that that that's a hard. I, I think you need some full time officials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you need all full time officials. But at the same time, going back to that call, first of all, Jenkins wasn't 
out on the perimeter in space. He was really still in, his, in, in the tackle box. Within the tackle box, he was facing the opponent, and his hands were inside. Mm-hmm. There's no hold. You know, the, the the penalty against uh, Tease Tabor when he took out a blocker and made a tackle, how is that a penalty? Yeah, I agree. Okay, th- then the the flag on Bush mm-hmm. where he's going f- to break up the ball and hit on a defenseless receiver, how is that receiver defenseless? Mm-hmm. They're both going for the ball. Yep. Very you true. know, you know, we could probably you know find about three or four more, and but those calls ended up. Well, number one, it it, it ended the the Bears' first drive. You know, you know they're going to get it. It would have been second and a half a yard on the op- on their opening possession, and then you know they would have gotten some more out of it. Uh, and and instead, you get knocked back because of a penalty. And then, of course, uh, people on Twitter start killing Tevin Jenkins. I tell you what, Tevin Jenkins' overall play was pretty good. The penalty was stupid. Most offensive linemen will back him up. Mm-hmm. And and but and and if you I don't do you got that play? Yeah. A, a, a Vikings player took a swing at him. Yeah. But it wasn't the guy that he punched. Now, should a penalty have been called on him? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And but they missed, and 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 it's like all the time this happens. It's the ret- retaliatory. There's my big word for the day. <laughs> my Jesus, the uh, retaliatory punch is the one that gets caught. But a Vikings player took a swipe at him before that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I, it was I, a different player. It wasn't the guy. So, but I, you know, you, you, you want your, is this the play here? I think so. Yeah. No, no, it was no, a play. No, 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 no right. The play was when, um, yeah, uh, fields got knocked out of bounds. Yeah. I'll, I'll look for it as we talk, but, uh, uh, and then the other thing was, is after that play, after the scuffle, there comes Jermaine Efidi, and he pushes uh, quite demonstrably. There's my big word of the day, uh, Jenkins, and and scolds him. You know, perhaps because you know the penalty hurt the team, but it seemed like, if anything, a fellow offensive lineman would congratulate the rookie for sticking up for his quarterback. No, I, I don't. I, I don't see it, but because Jenkins kept arguing, I think. He was okay, still, maybe that's still it. eating. Maybe that's it. And, okay. and Fetty's like, get the fuck out of here. You know, shut up. Mm-hmm. Now, standing up for your quarterback and 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 pushing people off. You got you gotta do that mm-hmm. to earn respect. And when you watch it, and, and some other people mentioned it was was uh uh Fields takes some hits that no other quarterback in the league gets. Oh my goodness! I said that last night too. You know, and and there's no flags. Mm-hmm. And yep. the one where he took the hit to the head, 
I'm shocked they didn't. the The guy up in the booth did not pull him out of the uh, game at that point to have him check for a concussion. Because mm-hmm. you notice he got hit in the head, and then he laid on the ground for a few seconds before mm-hmm. he got up. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was the right thing to do was bring in somebody, you know, take him out, put in foals, just check him for the concu- for a concussion to make sure You're right th- that he's okay. The, you know, the, the hit that, um, what the hell is the punt returner's name? O'Donnell. He, no, not the punter, oh. uh, the returner. Oh, uh, Jakeem Grant. Yeah, Jakeem Grant. That hit, he, the hit he took was less vicious than the hit that, that uh, uh, Fields took. Right. And the guy up in the box, and that guy's in the replay booth, mm-hmm. you know, they buzz down, get him mm-hmm. out of the game. We got to check him. Right. In right. that case, you know, that's where it comes from. So uh, I thought, you know, some inconsistency there. Um, the red zone woes were, were terrible. Mm-hmm. Then one fourth down call. I mean, I, I tweeted out after that they, oh, here it is. Now watch the guy. Yeah, he punches Jenkins first and Jenkins retaliates. Yeah, no, can you play it back? Can you play it back? Come, coming at you. Here's the play. Oh, oh, I went back too far. Darn it. Here, I believe. Oh, darn it. What the hell? Oh, here, That's it, all right. here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay, now watch. There, that guy, right. fifty-eight takes a takes a you know hits Jenkins in the uh, in the head. Right. That's not the guy. Right. This is how it starts here. There's pushing right. and shoving. Jenkins says, "Get out of here!" And the other guy comes and push punches oh, him. Right that guy, yeah, that guy punches him. One other guy punches, and, and you know Jenkins swings back. Right. And. Um, then the flag goes, but that's the way it always happens. Right. But the problem why Fetty does them is he's still standing there arguing mm-hmm. and it, it, it's like, okay, get the hell out of there. You know, let, let the fit. So either way it was, a, it was a penalty, the illegal procedure on him. That was a good call. So, I mean, the first call was poor. The other two were good calls but they could have thrown, they really could have thrown two flags on, on the uh, shoving thing and got both sides mm-hmm. for yes. unsportsmanlike conduct. Chris Watts says that sometimes those calls aren't called on, on fields. It's because he's looked at as an athletic quarterback, not a p- pocket passer so by, what? by the refs. Yeah. So what? He's a quarterback. Right. Absolutely. And the factor asks, is being a black athletic quarterback part of the way refs ref fields? Do you think there's anything to that? There, it's I don't think, I, I, no, I'm not. That, that, that's ridiculous. It's a, I mean, yeah, he, he's a runner. Um, but if you notice, he, he slides a lot. It's mm-hmm. not like he, he tries to run through people. Um, but he gets hit. There, there, there was a hit. I think on a sack or something that he took exception to, mm-hmm. and yes. uh, you know it, it's just inconsistent. Part of it is he's a rookie. Yep. <laughs> and, and you know it, it's like the NBA. You know some guys that they can do whatever they want. And they're not going to get a foul called on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know he's got to earn his stripes too, and and uh, until he does the officials 
aren't going to give him all the calls he deserves. That been Aaron Rodgers, there probably would have been three separate penalties on Minnesota. Exactly. And I, I'll, I'll remind Bears fans, too, that uh, Jay Cutler really got pushed around a lot, and he rarely got calls. I mean, it was almost every other week where I would post something on a social media showing a late hit on Jay Cutler, a, a hit to the head that wasn't called. Certain things, and I don't think this is a, a conspiracy against the Chicago Bears. I think every team has its own complaints on officials, and with us, unfortunately, it it's just seems that the the Bears quarterback sometimes doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but here, here's the thing, Aldo, is that you know you and I can sit and complain we're fans, and and that's what fans do, right? But with every for every complaint we had in that game. The television crew was backing it up. <laughs> that is true. There's no doubt about it. You're absolutely right. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it was that obvious. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Very true. There's no doubt about it. Um, Zachary Sullivan has a question. Uh, is, is anyone concerned about the lack of growth in Justin Fields? Uh, you know, I think yesterday was, was what we've seen all year, and that is flashes of brilliance. Um, now, what is causing that? The, my ba biggest concern with him is ball security. And I don't know if you saw the tweet that I put out. I put Bill Parcells. Yes, yes. And, and quotes, mm -hmm. Fumbles are not a physical thing. They're a mental thing. Mm -hmm. And that you gotta you gotta remember we uh, and I'll tell you where that came from. It goes back uh, so the season it was a camp of 1990 and training camp and we acquired uh, Otis Anderson in mm -hmm. that, to be a backup. Rodney Hampton was our starter, and. Otis Anderson, as good as he was and as productive as he was mm -hmm. as a pro, had a fumbling history. And Parcells told him real early in camp, he said, Otis, you want to play, you don't fumble the ball. It's that simple. Because the first time you fumble the ball will be the last time you play. He said, and I'll put it this way. Fumbling is not physical. Fumbling is mental. Mm -hmm. It's a mindset. And that's one thing. I was standing right there. That's one thing I will never forget. One of the, th there are, of course, though, <clears throat> technical things that a player can do to secure the ball. The, perhaps the most famous example was Tiki Barber. He, one season for the Giants, he was fumbling left and right, up and down and so forth. And then he spent the the offseason practicing to secure the ball up high under the armpit near the shoulder, and his fumbles went down to practically nothing. So there are some things that, from a technical standpoint, fields can do to better protect the ball, isn't there? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to grab my football over here. One of my footballs. Yeah, I love it when he uses props. So, <laughs> Great. and when I did play this stupid game, I was a running back. Yeah, there you go. Um, I noticed on one carry mm -hmm. that when Fields 
had the ball, he had it basically like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, yep. well, it's not too hard to knock the ball out of your hand like that. Okay, like this. Yeah. You'll yeah. See the difference? Sure, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's when you got it like that. Now, later on, after that fumble, mm-hmm. he was running. I think it was down in the red zone, and people got near him. Mm-hmm. He covered up both hands. Mm-hmm. So he, he, you know, he got wise to it right away, but it obviously is a problem. Uh, I think one of the things he's going to have to do in, in, in the offseason is uh, work on grip strength. Oh, interesting. You know, and, and there's a lot of things. I remember when I worked with Jim Fossil, he used to have his quarterbacks to, to strengthen their their grip was he'd get a, a like a big five-gallon bucket mm-hmm. and, and fill it two-thirds to three-quarters of the way with rice. Mm-hmm. And then just have them dig down and dig yeah. down and dig yeah. down. And you do it until your arms get, you know, your hands and your forearms get so sore. Mm-hmm. But that will, that will strengthen your grip. Yeah, that's an old uh, kung fu from the old TV show Kung Fu. That was an old uh, training technique for for the character. Um, lots of talk in the chat room. I hate to bounce to a different subject here, but I I, I want to make sure we get this in. Uh, the factor for one says, did Thomas Graham show enough in one game to wonder where he has been? And Mule Skinner adds to that. Why wasn't Graham used earlier in the season? Another total misusage of a player. Before you answer that, Greg, I'd like to play a comment made by Thomas Graham, Graham yesterday after the show that I think will clue us in as to what happened with Thomas after um, uh, uh, after he was drafted. Let's recall that after camp was let out, he was he was cut by the Chicago Bears. So he was asked by the media yesterday what were his impressions when he was Personally, cut. Personally, uh, once I got cut, I was just kind of, I was butthurt. But I knew that I didn't show everything I needed to during camp. Um, I made mistakes, and I think the one thing that I didn't do that they wanted me to show was consistency. Um, that's one thing I showed through my whole college career was a consistent corner that can go out there and make plays in and out. And I feel like during camp and during preseason, I didn't do enough of that. Um, and I felt and they felt that I needed to develop. Um, and it was a kind of a hard truth that I wanted to, to say, but I took a year off of football. It was, it was hard. Um, and me and Ryan had talked about it. He gave me film to watch uh, other corners that are similar to my game. Um, Ronnell was played a big part um, in that, uh, just helping me after practice with meetings, and it was it was a roller coaster for me. And I'm not gonna act like it was easy. It wasn't an easy moment for me, uh, and, but just eventually my confidence started growing, started making more plays in practice, and I just knew, like whenever your ta- your opportunity comes, you gotta take advantage of it because God is only gonna give you this chance at once. It's about what you do with it, and I, you feel me, prayed on it, and I'm thankful for him for allowing me to be in this opportunity and get this op- this chance. So that's the answer. He has gotten better as the season has gone on. Yeah, I, I thought that was a very mature answer on, right. on his part. Um, I thought, now, we don't see in pre we see the preseason games. I thought he played pretty good in the preseason games and, and good enough to play. But what we don't see is practice. Mm-hmm. And if he's not practicing hard, he's making mistakes, mental mistakes in practice, 
those types of things, uh, not showing the intensity that he showed in the preseason games, then, then you can't rely on. Right. And, you know, during preseason, your, watch, your position coach is watching every single rep you take. That tape's being reviewed by the, the position coach and the coordinator every day. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, my thought was, yeah, he made plays in the preseason, but he must not be a good practice player mm-hmm. because otherwise they would have brought him up. They've brought other guys up and they, and they kept leaving him down, which tells me, okay, they didn't trust him. Now, what last night showed me mm-hmm. was that, and go back to the preseason where I said he, I thought he played pretty good, and then he made you know some plays last night, is that he's a gamer. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the coaching staff, too late, found out the same thing. But he's a rookie, and coaches rely on consistency. Mm-hmm. They got to trust you. Uh, you know, he was brought up as an emergency call-up. Right. So he reverts back today to the practice squad. He's not on the 53. Oh, okay. So he's got to be – now, they can call him up again next week, call him up again the week after. They can do that, or they can just flat out bring him up. Mm-hmm. I think part of that will have to do with – you know, with, with the help of some of the other guys. But mm. did he show enough to earn more playing time? Yes, absolutely. But there's some procedural things that got to go on before that can happen. Right. Um, Brummy Bear is making us aware that Matt Nagy isn't getting fired today because he's currently holding a, a, a presser. Um, and we were going to go on after the presser, but because of our, our, our personal schedules, we couldn't. But there, there was a feeling... Well, let me say this. I don't think Matt Nagy is going to get fired during the season because of the pandemic. And there's already so much disruption going on. If you read Brad Biggs's 10 thoughts column, he listed day by day, everything that was going on over the last seven, eight, nine days, just, you know, lots of player movement because of the pandemic, lots of stuff going on. I think that to fire the head coach at this point would be so disruptive. It wouldn't be fair to the interim coach and the players to do such a disruptive thing at this point in the season, given the circumstances of what's going on with the pandemic. Your thoughts? I don't know if I agree. I think if you, if you, you, first of all, if you want to start interviews Mm -hmm. under the new league rule, right. A current head coach does not have to be fired by next week. He could be told, right? Yeah. You just got to be told. Mm-hmm. For all we know, he could have been told. It certainly seems like it sometimes. <laughs> you know, and the reason I say that, and and you know me, I'm not pro fire. At least, be I, I just don't like putting people up in front of a firing squad twenty four seven. Yeah, and that's what they do here in mm-hmm. in Chicago. Uh but still, in, in, in saying that, his the tone of his voice and his body language the last week 
has been a lot different than it had been. Mm-hmm. He's a lot more subdued. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, right away, you got to think, has he already been told something? And we don't know. And put it this way, you know, if, if they go out and interview some people starting next week, he's been told because, that, you know, that'll get out. if they Because you've got to request permission. You know, it's not like you can just automatically go uh, interview a Todd Bowles. Mm-hmm. You got to put in a, a permission request. And the, the, the even though it's for a head coaching job, the team you put in the request for is under no obligation to say yes. Especially if that team's fighting for a, uh, you know, a playoff spot right, or, a, right. or a top seed, mm-hmm. you know, so um, it, it's not an automatic that now some guys will uh, interview, obviously, Mm-hmm. You know, there's at least two jobs open already. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville and the Raiders. So, you know, they're going to start interviewing people. And they're going to start interviewing next week. Yeah. No, well, I, I uh, you know, I'm with you, Greg. You know, I think fans, people like me are too quick, you know, to say fire this guy, fire that guy, and so forth. It is, you know, part of the industry. You know, these guys are paid very well, and they're sort of the subject of the hostile crowd. But you're you're right. It is, you know, we have to step back sometimes and remember these are humans. There you go. I I just can use that. They're human beings. They got families. Mm -hmm. And and part of the equation is the families. In fact, to me, that's the most important part of the equation. Yep. It's you want to hammer on the guy. You know, he he expects it. Right. Okay. He knows it comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. It's, is it fair for his kids, for his wife, for him to go to be being a dad and go to a football game to watch his son play, get booed at, at a high school football game. Is that fair? No, that's not fair. Totally agree with that. Um, PZ and others in the chat room are saying if Nagy gets fired during the season, that likely, likely means Pace is staying. Your thoughts? Well, I don't think we have the answer to that because Pace could get fired next week too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that that's uh, – and it's really it, – it, it's kind of an important issue mm-hmm. because – who's going to be doing your interviewing. And, you know, so that plays into it. And, and, and it's a very important part of the question. Now, we, we, we started talking about this a couple of weeks ago, never really finished it. But there has been, you know, the argument could be, well, Ryan Pace has had two shots at a head coach and actually he's had one because he had nothing to do with that coaching hire of, of John Fox. And so if he goes, or rather if the coach goes, he should go with him. Well, Jason Light is working on his third coach and hit a home run with the third one. Mm-hmm. Tommy Telesco and, and with the Chargers, I was going to say San Diego, uh, he's working on his third coach. Mm-hmm. Probably did the, the, got the best one 
of all of them with the third one. So it, it's not like it hasn't happened before. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing I want to I want to bring up because I saw it in a tweet earlier today, and I I, I think it was. Um, What's the show Mike Greenberg has? Is it called Get Up or something like that? Or- yeah, get Up, Get Up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess Tannenbaum was on it. Who well, I think's a horse's ass. And <laughs> he he only he he didn't drag one franchise down. He dragged two down. So what what what's he an expert of? <laughs> so he says today on Greedy's show, and I saw the tweet. I didn't see the show. I don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Mike and Mike. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like this show at all. But anyway, you know, he said Jacksonville's a more attractive coasting destination than than uh, Chicago. Is he out of his freaking mind? <laughs> tell, tell, and tell I, you know, I, I, I felt like you know, retweeting it with, with with a you know a response and say, what the hell has Tannenbaum ever had right? Yeah, I mean, and it's funny that you say that because, uh, Greg, sometimes I watch that show maybe two or three days out of the week, and when I hear Tenenbaum talk, it's one of those things where I say to myself, you know what, I can't believe this guy was a high-ranking administrative person in the National Football League, that he was in charge of making these big decisions. He sounds like an average fan. Um, and so Joe's background, he was a cap guy. He's a finance guy. Okay. That explains it. Yeah. So now he, he was originally the Jets cap guy Mm. and all of a sudden he becomes a football guru Mm -hmm. wrong. I guarantee he never played the game once in his life. And, and I'm not saying you have to play to, to, know that but this guy you know his football background before he became a general manager was he ran the cap for the jets mm-hmm. <laughs> his hires at the jets at the dolphins have been absolutely horrible and now he's an expert on tv come on give me a break yeah uh, a few days ago, Adam Hogue uh, posted at WGNSports.com that he had heard through sources that Ted Phillips has been talking to friends privately um, about potentially stepping down from his current role and making sure that there is a football operations person so that he could totally divorce himself from uh, that responsibility or the appearance that he has a role in football operations. Have you heard anything about that? No, um, I, I haven't heard it. You you sent me the thing, and I, you know I I could see that happening. That you know, especially given what they're going to be doing in the future with you know d- down the street from you, mm-hmm. and that's going to require a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of money, a lot of effort. And can will he even have the time to be involved with football? And, you know, having worked with Ted for almost 10 years, he's not anywhere near as involved with football as some people think he is. Mm-hmm. He lets the football people do the football. He has, you know, you, you got to go to him for the money. Mm-hmm. 
because he has, he has to say yay or nay on the money. But if my experience is go in with a good presentation, you're going to come out with the money in your hand. Mm-hmm. And with me, I think that was a hundred percent case. You know, so, you know, I, 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 I know how he operates, but now, and, and we've discussed this and I'm not totally for the uh, president of football ops. And because then I'd say it's a glorified title for a general manager. Now, and, and thinking about it over the last few days, since you sent me that thing, I, I think there's a place for the right person, but you got to absolutely define that role. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, the general manager is basically head of football operations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not the head coach and the scouting department aren't the only, you know, the coaching staff and the scouting department aren't the only people that answer to them. Mm-hmm. The training staff answers to them. The nutrition staff answers to them. The weight room people answer to them. The video people answer to them. Anything having to do with the product on the field goes back to the general manager. Now, can you take some of that off the plate of the general manager and have the, a football ops guy there Mm-hmm. and let the general manager control the most important part, and that's the team and, and player personnel. Um, yeah, that can be done. It, it, it really gets down to, and we've talked about this, who has the tag? And you can still give the, the person, the GM, that, that 53-man roster tag, Mm-hmm. And have a football ops guy there, mm-hmm. and 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 more of a mentor, somebody to bounce things off of, mm-hmm. who knows what he's doing, and then helps with the the overall opera, you know, overall view of the operation, and especially if. You know, it, it's true in what Ted was, what Adam Hogue had as far as um, Ted wants to slip away from some of that. Again, that project in Arlington Heights is not huge. It's it's quadruple huge. Yeah, it's galactic. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's going to be 10 years in the making. Hell, he might not live out that project. (laughs) Very true, true. yes. So (laughs) it's, but the time and effort that's going to be involved in that. I mean, Mm. just think about it all, though. It's it's not just building a stadium. And Ted was very, very involved with the the reconstruction of Soldier Field. And, you know, they try to say renovation. That's a freaking brand new stadium. Yeah. When it was built, they, they kept the shell of the old soldier field, but it was a new stadium built within the shell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ted was very, very involved in that. He's going to be very involved in this, but this is 10 times more of a project. Absolutely. Okay. You've got 
right up. I mean, you've got a lot of infrastructure work. You got demolition of the of the uh, the racetrack. Mm -hmm. You got to plan the stadium. How big is it going to be? Is it going to be a dome stadium? And you got to build a dome stadium. If you want to, if you build a dome stadium, you're going to get, I guarantee you're going to get at least one Super Bowl and you'll probably get more because of the size of the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a final four. You could get a NCAA football championship game. You know, there's a lot of things that, that could play into this. Mm -hmm. And so, and then, what am I right in saying that's three hundred and twenty-seven acres? I think. Yeah, that's that sounds right. That sounds right. It, I, I I know it's it's like thirty-five acres larger than the site where the Rams stadium is. Oh, okay. Okay, and that was Hollywood Park. Mm hmm. So, it's that development of okay. How much how much room do you need for the stadium and and for parking? And then how, what, what's left for further development? And is that going to be, those parcels going to be sold off? Or are they going to be leased off? You know, all sorts of things like that. And, and it's just, you know, it's almost mind boggling the work that's going to go into that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's almost like that's got to be his, chief job to yep. oversee that. Yep. I mean, even the process of making sure that everyone who is involved in the project, you, you've got to do background checks. You've got to make sure that these are people of integrity. You got to make sure they del deliver quality work and so forth. That whole undertaking just by itself is mammoth because you need quality people to execute a, a, a job like that or, or could, get, could get botched. Lots of great questions and comments in the chat room. I won't be able to get to them all, but here are a few that I'd love for you to address. PZ, for example, says, would the titles president of football operations or general manager be a large factor in the candidates interested? I think that's a good question because, you know, as I scroll down the list of administrators for every football team, there are, you know, very similar titles, but you've got the president of football operations. you got the general, senior general manager. I, I think I saw on one team. Th does any of that really matter or is that just kind of a negotiation ploy? Um, you know, I, I think it depends on team by team. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I can't think of the guy's name right now who's president of the Rams. Okay, I'll look that up. <clears throat> and his, his dad was an agent. Mm-hmm. And he's been involved, you know, in in football his entire life. Uh, but he he's like a president of football operations, so to speak. And Les Snead is the GM, and 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 Les Snead has control, you know, of the roster, et cetera, and the scouting department. So if, if you wanted to use a model, that might be your model. Mm -hmm. And whether that guy was involved in the in the that much in the construction of that of that stadium, yes, Kevin Demoff. And Kevin's a good. I've met Kevin a few times, and he's a really a good guy. But he's um, you know he he's a cross between businessman and football guy. 
because mm-hmm. he has been involved in football his entire life. You know, but they that, that name they bring up, you know, Trace Armstrong. You know, Trace Armstrong's been, since he got done with football, playing in the league, far as I know, he's been strictly an agent. You know, so where's his expertise to be a director of football operations and everything mm-hmm. that it encompasses. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, another question here about uh, this one. I, I wanted to make sure to get in uh, and I'm scrolling for it. I should have started. I did start it. Um, the factor asks, can't wait to hear what Greg thinks about fields making the accountability comment. Would that comment piss off Matt Nagy? Uh, the the comment that he's referring to is after the game in the post media inter, uh, post game uh, interview with the media. He said, you know, all of these uh, penalties. Perhaps we we need you know more discipline. I'm paraphrasing. You know, at Ohio State, we would run laps when we would make more penalties. So it seemed like an off uh, an indirect insult to Matt Nagy for not correcting these discipline problems, these penalty problems, your thoughts. I tend to agree with them. Yeah. And I had a tweet yesterday. Let me see if I can find it. I just had your Twitter thing up in the meeting. Uh, If you're not, when you're watching a Chicago bears fan, and if you're on Twitter, make sure (laughs) that you're following Craig Gabriel's Twitter feed because it's very, very instructive on a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> Stupid penalties are a product of a team being undisciplined. That's on the coaches. Mm-hmm. That was the tweet. Yep. I see it now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think anytime a team is undisciplined, it, it is 90% on the coaches, you know, you've got to have accountability for the guys making dumb mistakes. And, you know, so, you know, what's the accountability? Is it money? Mm-hmm. Usually that's the only thing you can do, you know, running laps and stuff. That doesn't necessarily work with, with pros, but money has a way of working. Mm-hmm. But there's only, you know, because of the CBA, there's only so much money you can, you can take for, for certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, which is too bad. I mean, I wish but the other thing is you make stupid plays. You don't play. Mm-hmm. That's real simple. You want to play, right? Yeah. Okay, don't make a mistake. I, I remember when I was a player, I mean, I only had to be told once. Yeah, and, and which brings me up to a thing because I had a little thing going back and forth with Jason McKee mm-hmm. um, last night. Mm-hmm. And there was the flag on Daz Newsom mm-hmm. lining up. He was probably a good foot and a half offside lining up. How does he not know that? And I said to, you know, went back and forth with Jason. I said, there's a reason why he's on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason. I, I don't think, 
you know, having listened to him and watching him, he's a talented guy, but you got to pay attention to detail. And that's, it, it, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. We were talking about Graham. The coaches have to trust you. Mm-hmm. I don't think the coaches trust him. And yeah. that's why he stays on the practice squad. You know, they've brought up other guys, but they had to bring him up yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, when he got, he was brought up one other time for a game day call up, sent down right back down the next day. Uh, and he had a, 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 ran a bad route and dropped a pass. Mm. You know, so he's got talent to play in the league. Sure. And, and be a halfway decent player. But I think at this point, he's probably immature. And I don't know him from Adam, so I might not be fair in saying that. But when I see a guy line up offsides, mm-hmm. and, and it's not even like this much, it's this much. Yeah. Right. You know, what are you thinking? <laughs> it's crazy. And, you know, am I wrong in saying, shouldn't there be like a, a veteran – uh, the center, one of the offensive linemen who looks left and right. And if, if somebody's lined up offside, shouldn't he be corrected by a veteran? You know, you can ask the official. Ah. You, 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 you ever seen, and, and you don't see it as much now, where a receiver, a split-out receiver, put his arm out like this and look over at the official? hmm And the official will tell him. Yep. I've seen that. Absolutely. Um, But if you don't ask, he's not going to tell. Yeah. Alan has a question here. He asked, would Bill Polian be a good choice to run an organization or is he too old? Uh, I wouldn't want Bill Polian. How come? (laughs) No. no. Yes, he is. He is too old. Yeah, he's got to be in his eight, late eighties, I think. I don't know. He's not in his late eighties. He's in his. I think he's in his late seventies. He's looked like um, he's been in his late seventies for the last seventy years. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I met Polian was when he first came into the league. He was working for the Buffalo Bills, and mm-hmm. I was a uh, at, at the when he first started. I was still part time with Polian, and uh, then I went to national scouting. I'd still, when I was back in town, I'd always go over to the Bills offices because my mentor was was Norm Pollum, who was the director of player personnel mm-hmm. for the Bills at that time. And actually, Ralph Wilson went to Norm to ask him if he wanted the – Terry Bledsoe was the, the GM. Terry got very ill. He couldn't continue working. He asked Norm – if he wanted that job and Norm said, I don't want that job. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went to Polian, but then Polian went on to stab Norm in the back and Norm's the guy who got him there to begin with. And I think you always got to have loyalty mm-hmm. to the, you know, the people that, that brought you there. You know, I, when I worked for the bears, my first loyalty was to Jerry Angelo. Why? Number one, he'd been a friend going back to 1984. And number two, I'm not there unless Jerry Angelo hires me. Mm-hmm. So 
that's the person I'm loyal to first. Uh, but you know, Polian, I you know, I, I I think the you know the gains passed him by a little bit. Yeah, uh, he's seventy nine years old, by the way. Yeah, so no, I, I <clears throat> there's you know maybe Trace Armstrong is the guy. You know, I mean, I I I don't know the the let we're gonna have to let you know see what happens. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some some quality people, but you know, you're working on a timeline here too. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, you know, if, if this person director of football operations, and, and, and this is something we, 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 you're the producer, you, you can look this one up and find out if I want to hire a head coach or a GM, the Rooney rule comes into effect. Right. Okay. Does a president of football operations who doesn't get the tag of of having uh, control over the fifty three man roster? Does the Rooney Rule come into effect? Ah, interesting. And, uh, and it has to me. It, it it's it has nothing to do with anything racial. It's wanting to get a hired. For all we know, they could have already been interviewed. If that's not the case, they could have been talking to people. Already, mm-hmm. not necess- not not people from another team, mm-hmm. but people that are, you know, college athletic director uh, or, or whatever. Exactly. You know, you know uh, somebody in business. Um, you could be doing that because you got a, you got time constraints, mm-hmm. and if if you're, we don't know. Everybody assumes there's going to be a change. Well, until a change happens, we don't know. Um, I think from the from the standpoint, there were a lot of empty seats last night. That's the biggest statement fans can make. Don't show That's up to right. the games. That's right. And, you know, there's only one more home game. And, you know, how many are going to show up for that one? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I, against the Giants, which aren't exactly a good team. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I would expect there. I, I expect to get a lot of calls at people offering me their tickets. How about this? I guess they could be playing against Mike Glennon in that game <laughs> because Daniel Jones, I think Daniel Jones was put on IR he's done, yesterday. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he's that, done. that takes him out for the rest of the year, mm-hmm, indeed, because you got to be on three games, right. So um, I, I started yesterday's after game show, Bear Football, uh, praising. This was the very first thing that came to mind when they said, Aldo, your thoughts on the game. I spent a minute praising the play of Akeem Hicks. I mean, clearly. Well, he, played, he came to play. Yeah, he looked healthy. And every time Akeem Hicks is on the football field, this Bears defense looks so much better. Those defensive backs. Who, who were no names for Bears fans before yesterday, were aided by Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn. And, and Hicks' infectious attitude, his, 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 his demeanor, and, and he loves being a Chicago Bear so much. You know, it clearly it's highly unlikely that he's going to be a Chicago Bear next season and beyond. 
What are your thoughts on Akeem Hicks? And is there a sliver of a chance that the Bears and Hicks can agree if on you can, If you can get them at the right price. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would assume right now he's looking for a raise. Mm-hmm. And when you look at how many games he's missed over the last two years, now that's one of the reasons he played really good yesterday mm-hmm. is he hasn't played in a month. He had fresh legs. Yeah, that helps. He a lot fresher than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, he's relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. And and don't get me wrong, I love Akeem Hicks and I love what he brings to the table. But at the same time, you got to be reliable, and he hasn't been reliable because he misses games. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, which and I'm glad you brought up Quinn because I wanted to bring this up. There was a guy who follows me on Twitter, and I can't remember what his name is, and it doesn't matter. But he he was going through what he would do with the roster mm-hmm. at, at the uh, end of the season next spring. And, and one of the things was, you know, designate for a June 1st cut Quinn. What? Yeah. So I, I sent it back. I go, are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> well, he's going to cost so-and-so money. This is the best year he's had in a long time. He's the right now, he's arguably one of the best pass rushers in football, and that's what you need on teams. And you want to get rid of them? I don't get that thinking, <laughs> you know. I, I, I you know, I, I, I said, and he kept arguing with me and you know, going back and forth. And, and it was in DMs, not in okay, on, on regular team. And I said, Hey, look at you, you want to think that way, fine, but. You know, the idea is to bring in good football players, not get rid of them. Exactly. Well, you didn't play good last year. Well, you know, we've already, people have already said, you know, there was, there was something going on with him. And he's talked about it publicly. Yes. Yeah. And on top of this, and I remember when he came, you know, he was a severe medical risk Mm -hmm. when he came out. He's got a tumor in his head. Yeah, brain tumor. Yes, exactly. But it's, it's a non-cancerous right. tumor. <laughs> and, you know, someday that's going to have an effect. But right now he's playing his ass off. And, you know, he goes into yesterday with, with um, 14 sacks. He gets two sacks yesterday, one being a strip sack. So he's got 16 sacks. Mm-hmm. In 14 games. That's amazing. You know, the guy's having a hell of a season. The next sack he gets, he sets a Bears record. Yep. Yeah, let's designate him for a June 1st cut. <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's designate Justin Fields as a June 1st cut just because somewhere down the line, he's probably gonna cost the team $25 million a season. Come on. Uh, it's going to probably cost them more than that because, yeah. you know, the thing's going up all the time. But Indeed. Um, Here's the other thing about Quinn that I, I love your thoughts on is imagine if Khalil Mack was healthy and playing alongside him. Between the two of them, they could have gotten 40 sacks perhaps. Yeah. I mean, Khalil, before he got banged up, and that's a problem. I mean, he he is legitimately banged up and has been for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and part of it is brought on by himself the way he plays. You know, he is balls out on every single play. Right. And he gets doubled, sometimes tripled. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it takes a lot of abuse and, and, and your body, you know, he's, uh, his, he's worn out, Yeah. but his contract has been restructured so many times to create cap space. You can't get rid of them. Exactly. Right. And, and, and Quinn's been contracts been redone once. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would cost a lot of money to get rid of them. But that this guy was, you know, this thing was, well, we got, you need cap space to get mm-hmm. it. Well, yeah, fine. There's other ways you can create cap space. Absolutely. Without getting rid of, of one of your best defensive players. It doesn't make any sense. Whoever that person you know, and, is. And, you know, we only got one more good year left in the tank. We Nobody knows the answer to that. But there, from what we've seen so far this year, mm-hmm. you can't say there's going to be a drop-off in this play next year. Unless, you know, <clears throat> he physically gets hurt somehow that, you know, that, that could create that. Right. Um, Another player, I, I wanted to bring up a, another few players and get your reaction to them. Uh, uh, Travis uh, Gibson, he he was he he committed a dumb penalty yesterday. But overall, his play, do you see a uh, potential for this guy to be a developmental pass rusher so that with Mac and Quinn, perhaps he can be the heir apparent to one of those guys? Yeah, I've always liked him, and I think you know he's growing as a player. And he's getting he's getting better. And when you've got uh, people like a Khalil Mack and a Quinn who are accomplished pass rushers, uh, that's gonna you know they they can mentor a young guy like mm-hmm. Gibson and help him get better. And I think he's good in that role right now. You know they they want to in a perfect world they want to play a four man rotation at that position, mm. at least with this staff right now, and. At, at those two outside things. So there's, you've always got fresh people in there. I love that idea. I mean, and, I, I love- well, you know, colleges have been doing that stuff for years. It's only for years. It's only recently that the pros have been doing it, but you know, you, you never see that happen on the offensive line and you can't, but on the defensive line, if you've, you've got to go into the season with five or six good players that you know, you can win with. Mm-hmm. You know, on, on the the three defensive line positions, and which brings up a point. You know, you're going to say, "Well, this team's built to be a three-four team." Well, how often do they line up in a base three-four? Maybe thirty percent of the time. Not, not even. Okay. They're, they're, uh, you know, basically they're a four-two-five. Okay. Okay, with your, your two linebackers. You know, you got Roquan and and who's ever there was with Danny Trevathan, you know, number 44. You got those guys, but your outside guys are defensive ends when you get in your, your sub package. Now, you may mix it up and have one drop or something, but then you're bringing somebody else if, if, if they're going to drop, and that's just a, a defensive play call. Uh, and and then you're playing with five defensive backs, and sometimes mm-hmm. you're taking out one of the linebackers, and you're playing with six DBs. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if what the base if if you bring in a new coaching staff, what the base scheme is, I don't think is going to matter with the personnel that is already here. Mm-hmm. Now this isn't you know. 
this is more of a one gap 314 than a two gap 314. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you went to a base four three, and in which case Mac and Quinn would be defensive ends instead of and it's just position designation. They're freaking defensive ends now. They're right. edge play. And, and the right term is edge. They're edge players. Right. And and all those defense interior defensive linemen they have, including Ed, Eddie Goldman, can play defensive tackle, you know, in the, in that sub package. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the the guy who could be the odd man out, but he gets a push when he's pass rushing is Tonga. Mm-hmm. Who was surprisingly not active yesterday, perhaps. Uh, I think uh, he, he was, he's got a foot or something. Okay. He was on the injury report all week. Okay. He, he didn't practice all week. That list was so long. I, I couldn't remember who was on it or not. I love this question from Cornelius Squalls. He says, how closely does the head coach work with the head of player personnel? Very well, not as much during the season, except for you know, if you, you get a situation like yesterday mm-hmm. where you had to bring a bunch of people up, so yeah, that's going to be a, a, a oh, I'm going to hate this word, so will you a collaborative effort. <laughs> uh, I hope I never hear that word again, <laughs> you know. So it, it, it's collective, I mean, the, the coaches know what the guys are doing and and practice, but the the head of personnel, who is the GM, mm-hmm. he knows what they're doing in practice too, because he's watching that tape every day. Yep. Yep. But you got you can't. Let's fast forward to, you know, free agency and the draft. Obviously, scheme fit has to play into it, and you know, and I've we've talked about this before. You've got a definition for every position on the field, more so on defense than you do on offense, but you're mm-hmm. looking for specific type of players at each position. So you're not going to put the proverbial square, bring in a square peg to put in the round hole. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got, he's got to be a, a schematic fit for what you're doing. Your pro scouting department is the guys that are doing you know, a lot of that work, they're doing that now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not something they just started last week. They've been doing it, mm-hmm. you know, all along. And, you know, they're scouting the other teams in the league. They're scouting the individual personnel. They're scouting who is going to be potential free agents. And speaking of potential free agents, because you figure a Rob's not going to be here and you're going to have to go out and spend some money. One guy, who would be on that list just tore an ACL. So that could knock his ass out. Hmm. And that's good. Goodwin from Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know, now he's, t- he's tearing an ACL in mid December, which means he probably won't have surgery until after the first of the year. Cause a lot of times they want to wait a couple weeks before they do surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's up to the doctor and the philosophy of the doctor, but so let's say he has January 2nd surgery. Mm-hmm. Hell, he might not be ready until the second half of the season. So is that is that a viable option 
for a wide receiver in free agency. I think that just cuts a guy right off. Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate injury for him. There's no doubt about it. Right, right. Um, the uh, Allen says, uh, do you think that we should get a fullback to help create a better situation for their running back? No. You know, nobody, very few teams use a fullback. And when they do use a fullback, they they do what other teams do, is you got one of the blocking tight ends. A U-back uh, type, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he can line up in an, as a eye fullback or an offset fullback. Uh, I think it's been J.P. Holtz mm-hmm. most of the time this year. He doesn't do a bad job. Yeah, he you know, because all that guy is supposed to do is be a lead blocker. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and he's got to be now. Could you use a guy like Ryan Nall? If, if you know what we haven't seen from Ryan Nall is, is proof that he can be a blocker, a consistent blocker on the offense. Right. And, and does he have enough sand in his ass to be able to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, enough pop to be able to do that. So, but that's what, you know, it, it's a bastard position and it's pretty much been done away with in the league. Yeah, there's a couple of them floating around the league. And if a team does have one, they have one. They don't have two. All right. You know, 20 years ago, everybody had a fullback. All right. I, I saw Mike Burton, the former Chicago Bear fullback, uh, playing, I think it was for the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. So, yeah, they're still around, but you're right. They're like... They're like almost extinct. It's, no. it, yeah, it's 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 a dinosaur position. <laughs> um, you got to have the right guy in your tight end mix. You got to have the right guy. Mm-hmm. But you go out and you try to find that guy. I mean, you know, it's not like you, you can just say, "Okay, yeah. I'm gonna, like Jimmy Graham can't play that position." Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to stick him at that position. You got to have a guy. I, I'm wondering if a guy like Horstead. They don't put him in that position, but I'm wondering if he could do it. Well, that was a a question, uh, and I should have started, uh, but somebody had the question of what is your evaluation of the team's tight ends? And I will add to that saying if Jimmy Graham is likely not coming back next season, they're not going to sign him to another one-year contract. Um, But are you? do you think acquiring another tight end uh, is if Jesse James, uh, Horstead, if those guys come back, TJ Holtz, do you think it's necessary for uh, the Bears to add another tight end? And do you have confidence in Cole Komet? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, does he have his periodic drop? Yeah, and that's going to, you know, that's more concentration and, and he's going to get better. Right now, he's the second leading receiver on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's only going to get better. Uh, what what's good about him is he can play the Y in tight and you can split him out. Uh, I would think, you know, looking at the personnel, there's more important things to worry about. And that's not one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you can cut Jimmy Graham loose and he, he doesn't play enough now to, uh, you know, warrant a roster spot for another year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Part of the reason he was here was to mentor some of these young guys. But now, you know, Komet's going to be going into his third year. Horstead's been around. Holtz has been around. You know, they've all been here long enough. 
Uh, Jesse James, I think, was a, a, a pretty good acquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, another guy who can play the wide position. Uh, so, no, I don't think that's an area where they try to go. You know they got to get wide receiver. You know they got to get corner and maybe mm -hmm. safety. And, you know, depending on what happens with Akeem Hicks, you got to get a defensive lineman. Yeah. You're you really know, an, an interior defensive lineman. So uh, they're going to have some money, but we don't know who's going to be available yet because mm -hmm. we don't know who the hell's going to, you know, first of all, let's find out who's, who's coaching, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then go from there. And you could say, you know, I, I think the masses and the media are going to want, are going to really push for the, an offensive head coach, mm -hmm. but is that necessarily the right guy? It's it's the fear of not properly developing Justin Fields that attracts people to that idea. Well, that's why you go through a a um, you know an interview process because mm -hmm. you know you know let's say you you're, you're gonna interview Todd Bowles and Todd Bowles will probably interview for every job that's out there this year okay mm -hmm. and he will get one of them mm -hmm. and you know I know Todd well enough that if it was me I, I, I might interview him and then say okay we're done <laughs> uh, sign here <laughs> yeah because you know, I know he's talking to people about being his OC. Mm -hmm. There's one name I've heard. Um, I don't want to mention the name, uh, but I called a friend of mine, in fact, this morning, and I, I said, uh, you should know this one guy, and, and he's in college right now. Mm but he's been in the NFL. And I said, what do you think? And he was all thumbs up hmm. and he's, he's worked with the guy and which made me feel good because that means Todd's talking to the right people. Mm -hmm. Yep. And off the air, I'll, I'll tell you who it is, but, um, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna put it out because that just wouldn't be fair. Mm-hmm. The bear bear man says uh, his concern is that the bears have swung and missed on coaches and a GM. How can we trust anybody at house hall to replace a man at the top? And so well, that, you know, know, it's, it's a fair question, but mm -hmm. you know what? We had a good person in there that was brought in in June of 2001. And won four division titles and got to a super bowl. Mm-hmm. And that person was hired by Ted Phillips and um, was which McCaskey was it was uh, Michael, Michael. McCaskey. Yeah. Ted Ted pretty much did that job. Okay, did that one. Okay. Um, and and there was I'll tell you what there was a a power play. Nobody will re, will remember this, but Tom Donahoe was pushing real hard for Mike Modrak to be the Bears GM. And Modrak got a lot of pub during the 
interview process. And, you know, Modrak and, and, and Donahoe worked with each other in Pittsburgh and were, were good friends. And, and if I remember correctly, and this is before Jerry was actually hired, you know, like they kind of put, Modrak kind of put Ted in a, in a bad way, take, like a take it or leave it situation. Mm-hmm. And really rubbed Ted the wrong way. And, and, you know, Ted came back with this and <laughs> Jerry got the job. And, you know, I know Modrak, Tom Modrak very, very well. And may rest in peace. Um, but Jerry was 10 times better than Modrak ever would have been. Mm-hmm. Is that your alarm? Uh, I know you've got an engagement coming up soon. You have a little bit more time. Yeah, I don't. I don't have an. I don't have an alarm going. Oh, I got my dog behind me, and he's sleeping. <laughs> uh, what is your dog's name, by the way? Bennett. Bennett. Yep. He's right. Dog? I can. Where is he? I don't know if you can see him way down there. He is hiding. Oh, I see his paw. There he is. <laughs> there he is. What a good-looking dog. What a great looking dog. <laughs> He's that's a hundred pounds of that's a hundred pounds of power right there. <laughs> Damn. I got a 15 pound dog. <laughs> he um you take him for a walk and, and it's like he no, takes he you for a walk. walk. That's exactly right. Um let's see. I, I wanna try to address some of these questions here because we've got so many good ones. Here's um Jamal says, who do you think should be running the Bears? I mean, if is it time for, for the team to perhaps consider bringing in a new chairman of the board? It happened with Michael McCaskey, uh, and uh, he was replaced with George McCaskey. Is it time now after 11 years, George's record is much worse than his brother's uh, record uh, during uh, that time where he was leading the Chicago Bears? Is it time for the team to consider maybe, you know, the board of directors to consider bringing in somebody else? Well, who are they, who are they going to bring in? I the, next no McCas- the next McCaskey would be Brian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian is really a good person and a well-qualified qual- person. But what has George done that – I'll put it this way. People put who don't really understand how the process works sometimes put unfair blame on people, mm-hmm. you know, and what their involvement is. Now, when I worked there, Michael was the chairman. Michael didn't have a whole lot to do with anything we did. Mm-hmm. You know, it it was just... You know, you talk to him a couple times a year about certain things, but uh, I'd have to meet with him before the draft. And, you know, Jerry and I would would sit down with him and just tell him this is what we're going to do. He might ask a question or two, but otherwise that was that. Okay. I think think George is more hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But – but you know he's an owner, mm-hmm. so I mean, and and you know there's the old saying: owners own, coaches coach, players mm-hmm. play, scouts scout. 
George Owens. And hopefully that's what they're doing. I mean, Hub Arkish has been kind of leading this this thought that perhaps Bears ownership is a little bit more involved than they let in. Um, You know, he was the one that reported that management came to the uh, pace and Nagy and said that this uh, Justin Fields should be the starter for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and, and I've already addressed that. Yes, you, you know, have. And, and uh, I, you know, I love Hub dearly, but I don't believe that. I, like you said, I, I, I've said here on this show that rumor has it, never been verified, mm-hmm. that a decision came from above. But what? What's the above? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that right? Is it Ryan Pace? Could be Ryan Pace, right? You know, and because Ryan Pace has charge of the fifty-three man roster. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I I I don't um, personally. I don't think it was George, but you know, are, are, is anybody there going to tell you who said what? Yeah, no, not right. gonna happen to me. It just seems outlandish that he would make a statement like that. Uh, and and you know, is he then promising pace and Nagy another year? Go with the rookie quarterback because I know we're, we're probably not going to be as ready with him to, to score points, it's going to take development. And I'll give you another year. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound like something George McCaskey would do, but I could be wrong. Well, I mean, even if you, you thought that, you, you, you still got to look at the growth and has, you know, and, and the undisciplined play. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, is the arrow still going up with Justin Fields? under this current staff, you know, you got to answer all those questions. So I don't think you can tell a guy and be fair. How you can tell a guy and then say, you know what? Didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And so I'm changing my mind. Right. And that's my prerogative. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I got I know we talked about the tight ends already, but I got to bring this up um, because I'm doing a show tonight with Dan Aguirre, who hates Cole Komet, thinks that he's a bust and so forth. And Steve McGeechee says, I would play James and Horstead more to put Komet on notice. His hands are inconsistent, and he plays small for his size. And I just got to remind people, Cole Komet is 22 years old. He's a pup. You got to give this guy time to develop. Yes, he's going to piss you off. He's going to drop passes that should have been caught. Yeah. But you got to look at the bigger picture. He's a kid. He's a kid. He's 22 years old. Am I wrong or right, Greg? Well, you're you're sticking up for your neighbor now here, too. I mean, he's from Arlington Heights. So you got to stick up for him, right? Am Am I lying or what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just hopeful that he's going to turn out to be good. And no, he's certainly I, I think he's going to be an excellent NFL tight end. Is there some inconsistencies? Yes. Absolutely. It takes, you know, if you, you take tight ends as a whole, mm-hmm. 
you know, it takes them a few years. Mm-hmm. We used to think, but I, you know, I did, I used to study all these positions when I was working for the bears and, you know, basically look for when the breakout years and, and, and with, with receivers. Mm-hmm. And part of it was how people were, were teaching receivers, but it was usually like the third year that mm-hmm. the light really came on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it's the same thing with the tight end. And and with receivers, one of the reasons was is that when they came in as a young player, you got three, basically three wide receiver positions. And now in today's game, you got four. Um, but you've got your, you know, your slot guy, you've got your X receiver and you've got your Z receiver. And the Y, y is your, your tight end. And they'd have these guys learn all three positions which mm-hmm. isn't easy. And, you know, depending on the offense, and it's not like, okay, if you can line up at, at X, you can turn around and line up at, at Z. Mm-hmm. Wrong. They're two separate positions. But yeah, exactly. I've been learning that, yeah. You know, so, <clears throat> and, and what that player is supposed to do, and, you know, on, on each given play, and then you've got sight adjustments, and sight adjustments, especially for a guy – you know, we can go. We we can go back uh, to Kevin White. You know, Kevin White had a, a, a three route route tree when he was <laughs> at West Virginia. And it was one of the most elementary offenses in in college football, mm-hmm. as far as being simple. But he struggled having to learn how to make sight adjustments. Mm-hmm. And so here you got a guy that runs four three five. It was playing four six five because of his unsurety. Mm-hmm. Not sure what he's exactly supposed to be doing. And yeah. if you can't play at full speed at that position, you're useless. So what teams have done now to get rookies up and running earlier is have them learn one position, which means you've got to carry more on your team. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd love it. Uh, this rule where you're dressing more people, uh, more players for games. Uh, I, I would love for them to continue that post pandemic. Um, I don't know why they don't do that. Well, I, I think part of it is um, competitive balance because let's say you dressed all 53, mm-hmm. which I would be all four, mm-hmm. but then, you know, you're playing the New York giants and they got three guys hurt. Mm-hmm. So you've got a, a, a three-man competitive balance edge going into that game because they got three guys hurt. So I think that that's really the one of the main reasons for the rule. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it is tough shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you colleges don't have that rule. You got right. 85 on scholarship. If guys are hurt, they're hurt. Right. Yeah, and you uh, only can take X amount of guys, and I don't know what the number is on road games, except mm-hmm. for bowl games. But you know, so you're you're when you're on the road, you're playing with a limited roster to begin with. Now, it might be sixty players that you're taking on the road, but still, you know, out of your eighty-five, but there, there's guys you're leaving at home, right? You know, uh, 
Jim Harbaugh is a name that creates a lot of uh, feelings here in Chicago. I, I, I listen to people's opinions on, on, on Jim Harbaugh. A lot of people hate him as a potential coach. A lot of people are, are really intrigued by that. The factor asks, Greg, Jim Harbaugh likes control. Would the control Jim Harbaugh may want be a problem for the McCaskies and Pace? Well, it, it's said that he wants control. Does he really, really want control? Does he have to have have it? Uh, you're only going to find that out during the interview phase. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want him? No. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a college coach. I don't, you know, Hub would be <clears throat> the exact opposite. Hub and Harbaugh are, are friends. Mm-hmm. And so he'd think it's the greatest hire on earth. <laughs> um, I am the exact opposite. I, you know, I, I, I think he's a college coach. Uh, I think some of the, you know, you watch, you watch Michigan games and he's always crying on the sideline. You know, it, it, it just <laughs> not the type of personality he, I, I'll take his brother in a minute and a half. Me too. Okay. But I'll tell you what now. His brother screwed up that game the other day. Big time. Oh, yeah, against the Packers. Yes. I mean, first of all, how about the first drive? They got the ball seven and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And now you got fourth and goal from the four-yard line, and you go for it on the opening drive? No, you take three points. Yes. Because you, you just had the ball seven and a half minutes. you got to get something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you know, be, especially being you know the time of the position, it's the it was the opening drive of the game. Yeah, get something, and then is call at the end going for two instead of the tie. Mm-hmm. So if he kicks a field goal, he already he won the game exactly. on that opening drive. Yeah, had everything else been the same, I, I think that was two really dumb calls on his part. But overall, I he's a great coach. Yeah, he is. I, I'm a big fan of John Harbaugh. Um, Greg, I, I, I've i kept you a half hour later than uh, promised. Um, I, I could go another two hours with you. This has been so much fun and such a, a – a, 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 it. you used to teach a class on how to scout. Have you ever thought about maybe teaching a class on how to run a football organization? <laughs> that would be fascinating. I don't know. How much you paying me? <laughs> <laughs> let's get the, the let's get the dean over a, a Notre Dame on the phone and we'll negotiate something. <laughs> get who from Notre Dame? The dean or whoever oh. uh, hires faculty members over there. That would be a great, great class. You know, speaking of interviews, did you happen to see? It was uh, done on Barstool Chicago. Mm-hmm. They uh, did an interview with Tommy Reese like a week and a half ago. No, I missed that. Oh, my God. It was fantastic. It was one of the best interviews that I've ever seen. It was, you know, done on Zoom. And and Mm -hmm. Tommy was probably a guest for 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. But he went through that whole thing where he's on the road with with Kelly after, the you know, they they stayed out on the West Coast after the Stanford game. Uh, They played golf at, at the Country Club of San Francisco. On, on Sunday with some alumni and then they're 
go up to Washington to meet with the one coach. And the whole time, Kelly knows he's probably leaving. And, uh, you know, they're, they're in a recruit's house who ended up staying with them. You know, and, and they leave the house and all hell breaks loose on social media hmm. that he's leaving. And so basically, you know, Kelly, but he, it was, you know, Tommy's reaction to that whole week of events and, and you know, how he took himself through it. It was really a, a, a great interview. Yeah. I'm going to leave you with this one last question. It is from RRRR David one. He says, okay, Greg Walsh and Montana versus Belichick and Brady. Who do you take? Belichick and Brady. Really? See, I, I, I'd go with Walsh and Montana, but tell us why uh, you like the BB combination. Um, it's more up to date with today's game. Mm-hmm. And how many Super Bowls did they win together? I think just two. No, Belichick oh. and Brady. Yeah, I was thinking Walsh and Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and Walsh was way ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. You know, but and but Montana as good as he was. Had Montana not played for Walsh, would Montana be as good as he? was Montana was pretty average after he left Walsh. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not that he had great, he didn't have great physical traits, but it was that offense that, that was created by Bill Walsh. Mm -hmm. And that really had him way ahead of, you know, all his opponents, all his competition. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's been the uh, a big debate lately because everybody's trying to determine who's the greatest combination of all time. I, I I'm always going to have an affinity for Bill Walsh in that West Coast offense. But you're right; I think other quarterbacks could have maybe even employed that offense more effectively. Well, don't forget, if he has Steve Young then running in that offense, and Steve Young did pretty damn good too. Exactly. And and even Steve DeBerg, uh, when that offense was just starting to take off and before Joe Montana arrived there, I believe um, even he had some success running that offense. It sh- started to show promise. And uh, Montana was perfectly suited for it, given his physical attributes. But uh, I agree with you that, uh, you know, Montana probably um, – you know, and when he when he left and played with the Chiefs, he had some success, but nothing at uh, at the size of uh, what he had at San Francisco. Right. But in, in fairness to Joe Montana, the you know the training techniques that you have now, mm-hmm. you did not have then. Very true. Very true. And the rules uh, protecting quarterbacks. I mean, Montana got whipped by the Giants and other other teams. Very, very aggressive uh, tackling of him that would not be allowed today. Oh, Jimmy Burt. When I was with the Giants, Jimmy Burt in, in, in NFC uh, championship game sent Montana into heaven. <laughs> I remember that. In a, in a play that would draw a flag right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. But not then. For sure. All right, uh, Greg, uh, it's a Sunday game next week, so I will see you back here on Monday. Uh, unless there's some big news out of Hallis Hall, then I'll call you and bother you and see if you can come on. Okay. Uh, well, don't forget to stay on. I got I to gotta tell you. Absolutely. 
Um, okay. So I will let everyone else know that we'll be back here at the Barroom Network later tonight. Dan Aguirre and myself, we're going to take a look at media response to last night's game. And Dan will share his thoughts about why he hates Cole Komet and much, much more. So the best way to stay in touch with everything that we're doing is to subscribe to our YouTube channel or subscribe to our audio podcast. You'll get notices whenever something is delivered. For all of us here at the Bar Room, including Greg Gabriel, my name is Aldo Gandia. We'll see you next time. See you later.